Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up guys? In yesterday's video, I talked about five players who I thought were gonna be trending up throughout the rest of this season. And in today's video, I'm gonna do the opposite, talking about five guys that I think are gonna be trending downwards, you know, towards the end of the season. So it may be advantageous for you guys to get these players off of your team before their value starts to kind of take a hit. While you guys are watching this, if you're enjoying the content, just hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. It really helps me out more than you guys know. And then you can ask me any fantasy questions down below and I'll respond to every single person. But let's get into the first player who may potentially be trending down and it's going to be Joe Mixon. And I wanna start off by saying that I've been a huge Joe Mixon fan for fantasy, a huge advocate for him, you know, basically ever since the off season. And honestly, I'm not ready to firmly say that he's trending down but there have definitely been some recent kind of red flags. The appeal for Mixon and why I was a huge fan of him was that workload. He was someone who truly had, you know, three down back potential who could be involved in every single play and basically have a monopoly over the touches out of that Bengals backfield. And so I'm just kind of going to run through Joe Mixon's entire season, basically week by week. So the first three weeks of the season, Mixon accounted for 67 of the 72 running back carries. I mean, that's what we were expecting. 93% of the carries out of the backfield were given to Joe Mixon, and that included 100% of the carries in week two and week three. And then he accounted for seven of the 13 running back targets, so about 54%. That part was a little bit concerning, just because I was honestly expecting him to have more than seven targets through three weeks of the season, but I think the carries definitely were kind of overriding those target numbers. But then week four, Mixon suffers an ankle injury. He is not able to finish the game. But before he was injured, I mean, Mixon was on his way to dominating the touches once again. So it was still looking good for Joe Mixon. I honestly thought he was gonna be out, you know, maybe at least an extra week, but he was able to return in week five, but he was limited, you know, he was coming back from that ankle injury. And in week five, he played in 28% of the snaps compared to Samaje Piran's 61%. And then we also saw Chris Evans play 10% of the snaps. And Samaje Piran outcarried and out-targeted Mixon in week five. But you know, that made sense. I wasn't super concerned because we knew about that injury. And it was honestly just lucky that Mixon was even playing in that game. Then we get to week six and Samaje Piran was actually out in week six. He was on the COVID list. And so it looked like Mixon would be lined up to be the bell cow once again. You know, he was healed from that injury. He went out, had a 63% snap share, which was actually his second lowest snap share behind week five. That was even less snaps than he saw in the week four game where he left early. But even though he had a 63% snap share, he still rushed 18 times for 94 yards, five receptions for 59 yards and a touchdown. So even though that snap share was lower, he was still dominant. And this was actually his best fantasy performance of the season. But we did see Chris Evans, who was the RB3 on the Bengals, show some flashes as a receiving back, and he did get into the end zone, which is not great to see if you're a Mixon owner, because you do want him to have that monopoly over the touches. But it's also important to keep in mind that that game was a blowout, so that could kind of lead to the snap share being a little bit off if they're resting Mixon towards the end of the game. But then we get to week seven, and this for me is honestly the most concerning part. We saw Joe Mixon only have a 54% snap share to Samaje Pirine's 48%. Chris Evans didn't even play 
on the offensive side because he was dealing with an injury. So he was designated to only special teams. And so only with Samaj P. Ryan behind him, Mixon still only got a 54% snap share. And this was a blowout game as well against the Ravens, but it's not like they were killing the Ravens the entire game. I mean, this game was really punctuated in the middle of the fourth quarter when Mixon had a rushing touchdown, followed up by Samaj P. Ryan's rushing touchdown. Mixon carried the ball 12 times to Samaj P. Ryan's 11. Like I mentioned, they both got into the end zone and Samaj P. Ryan had one target to Mixon's zero. The kind of good news here was that Samaj P. Ryan had that 46-yard touchdown run, but when you look at all his other carries, he rushed the ball 10 times for only six yards, you know, when you're excluding that touchdown run. So he really wasn't great when he did get the ball. The problem here for Joe Mixon is that he may not be the full-time third down back that I personally was expecting coming into the season. It looks like Samaj P. Ryan is kind of eating into that role. But here's the good thing. If you're a Joe Mixon owner, you don't have to rush and trade him right away, you know, without knowing the full situation. He faces off against the Jets this week. This is going to be a great matchup for the Bengals running backs. Basically everyone on the Bengals, this is a good matchup. But we can look at this game and if the snap count is not good for Joe Mixon, like I'm going to be looking at this game very closely, looking at the third down snaps, all of that stuff to see, you know, what really is going on here. But if the snap count is not good, he still should be able to put together a really nice performance, get into the end zone, and he's still going to have very, very high trade value as like a borderline top 12 running back moving forward, you know, a solid RB1. But then if he goes out against the Jets as like a 70 plus percent snap share and is the workhorse, then no worries. You get to keep Joe Mixon. So this is really a pretty nice spot here, the way the schedule lined up, but I am going to be watching him this game. And if you own him, I think you should be doing the same. The next running back who is definitely trending downwards is Antonio Gibson. And honestly, right now, it may be tough to move Gibson because the cat's kind of already out of the bag here. He's had two rough weeks in a row, and he was someone who was drafted as an early second round pick in most leagues. Personally, I mentioned how I was really high on Joe Mixon. I was not super high on Antonio Gibson, only because I didn't know if he could get those workhorse touches. I was very concerned about him losing out on the third down work to J.D. McKissick and kind of being someone who didn't get enough receiving work to be one of these top tier running backs. That's kind of how it's played out, but I'm not really victory lapping this one because I definitely didn't predict him to be this bad. And I do have him on some of my rosters. So I would like him to play well, but right now he is the RB 22 in points per game. And that may not seem terrible, but he's only averaging 12.5 points per game. And there's kind of a huge drop off between those running backs who are averaging like 15 plus, And then you jump to the players who are in like the 11, 12 point per game range. And that is where Antonio Gibson is when we really thought he would be up there, you know, 15, 16, 17 points per game. And it kind of sucks to say, but at this point, Antonio Gibson is essentially Josh Jacobs 2.0. He's an inefficient, high volume running back who doesn't really have any receiving upside and is totally reliant on touchdowns. When you look at his game splits, when he is able to get into the end zone, he is averaging 18 points per game. When he hasn't scored, he's averaging 8.3. He really has no floor because he doesn't have that receiving work. He's averaging 14.7 carries per game. He's fifth in the NFL in total carries. So that's a good number, but only 2.6 targets per game. Like I mentioned, when you don't have those targets, you do not have a floor. And honestly, even with those carries, he's been fairly inefficient 
when given the ball. He's only averaging four yards per carry, and he's averaging 2.85 yards created per touch, which is 29th in the NFL. And that's with him seeing the fifth most light carry fronts, which should be good for a running back. He just hasn't really capitalized on it. Plus, when you're looking at his snap share, it has just been a downward trend basically since week one. Looking at week one, he was at 65%, then 61, then 57, 55, back up to 57, but then down to 39, then to 42. So week one was 65, week seven, 42. That is a pretty huge drop off. And to make it worse, he's currently dealing with that stress fracture in his shin. This whole situation here is a mess. And when I'm getting my information for fantasy injuries, I look at this guy, Fantasy Docs, on Instagram for his injury analysis. He's like a former Michigan State uh, team doctor, and he works for the USA weightlifting team. So the guy knows what he's talking about. He breaks down the injury, you know, talks about how long he thinks people are going to be out for, how that's going to affect them throughout the season. You know, like, is this something that's going to linger or will they be good? And then he kind of gives some fantasy perspective to it. And this is what he said about Gibson's injury. He said, if you have a stress fracture or a stress reaction, you absolutely should not play through it. What are we seeing right now? Antonio Gibson is playing through that injury. And then he goes on to say that it's truly baffling that they would be allowing him to play on this injury. So there's just really not a lot of positives here with Antonio Gibson. You've got JD McKissick taking the third down work. He's also in on the two minute drills. And basically Antonio Gibson can be phased out of games depending on game script. If they're going to be down early and needing to be throwing the ball, JD McKissick is the guy who's going to be in there. That's what we've seen the last few weeks here at the Washington football team. They've been down early and Antonio Gibson has just not been able to do anything. So if I was an Antonio Gibson owner, which I am in at least one league, I'd be waiting for him to have like a one or two touchdown game. You know, he's getting like 16 plus points and then I would try to sell high on him and move him off of my team. Maybe for the guy I talked about in yesterday's video, Leonard Fournette. I mean, if you can do Gibson for Fournette straight up, I would do that 100%. You may need to do Gibson plus a piece to bring in Fournette, but those are the kind of deals that I would be looking at. Then the third running back who I think is trending down is Melvin Gordon. Basically, this is just the inverse of what I said yesterday about Javante Williams. I had Williams on my players who are trending up. So obviously, if Williams is trending up, that probably means that Gordon is trending down. Because so far this season, they're basically even in terms of total touches. Williams has been able to create more when he's been given the ball. And really without an injury to Javante Williams here, there's no way that Melvin Gordon is going to rise in value. There's just basically no chance that the Broncos are like, okay, let's limit Javante Williams touches and give more to Melvin Gordon. Javante Williams is the running back of the future. Melvin Gordon, this is his last deal on his contract. So I'd probably be surprised if he's returning. But if the team knows that Javante Williams is the number one, I expect them to give him more and more volume. And Melvin Gordon really has only room to fall at this point, which I think is very likely. So I would try to be including him in trades as kind of an extra piece, maybe to upgrade one of your starting spots. Then the fifth and final player that I think is trending downwards, it's Cortland Sutton. I talked about him in my sell high video list. But here's the thing, with Jerry Judy out, Cortland Sutton put up great numbers. He was a high-end wide receiver too in Jerry Judy's absence. He was averaging 16.9 points per game from week two to week seven. We saw Jerry Judy go down in week one. But with Jerry Judy coming back, it's really just gonna limit the ceiling of Cortland Sutton 
for the rest of the season. So far, the Broncos are averaging 259 passing yards per game with 12 total passing touchdowns on the season. When I'm just looking at the weapons that this Broncos team has, you have Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, the pass catchers, Corlin Sutton, with Judy coming back, you've got Noah Fant, you've got Tim Patrick who's been involved. I just think there's not going to be enough production for all of these guys to be succeeding and be high value plays. So I would rather move on from Sutton before we see him on the field with Judy, because if he goes out and Jerry Judy goes for like eight and a hundred and Cortland Sutton has like a mediocre game, his value is just going to totally tank. So I would move him before this Sunday game, but that is going to wrap it up for this video. If you guys enjoyed the content, please hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, ask me any questions down below. Thank you guys for stopping by and I'll see you next time.